chaos is everywhere. Yo. How's it going? Oh, fantastic. That's good. Yeah. Got, got some sleep, right? I mean, come on, that's good. I I hate myself so much. <laughs> Why? Just for some reason I thought it would be a great idea to work a volunteer Saturday. Right. And not only that, work at first shift. Right. Which means I went to bed around midnight. Right. From my second shift of Friday. Right. And then woke up around 6 a.m. Saturday. That seems like a bad idea that you lay it all out like that. And not only was the day not what I expected it to be, because we went, me and, it was only me and one other person. Right. And we expected it to be a short, like, maybe like four hour day tops. Um, right. Basically just going in, shutting down the, everything and leaving, basically. Uh-huh. That didn't happen because third shift hates us. And they started, basically they started a role that we had to watch and it was like a seven hour roll, and it started at like 6 a.m. And um, they did that knowing there was only two of us. So, and like three of the four ovens were running. I mean, that does seem pretty bad. Yeah, um, and they didn't do anything else they were supposed to do. So we had to do it all. And there was only two of us again. So we had half but, as many people as them. We had to do all of their work. So I mean, it was basically a full eight-hour day on Saturday. Sorry to hear that. And um, my Xbox I, broke. Poor and your Xbox broke. And my Xbox broke. It it doesn't it doesn't power up anymore. I'm sorry to hear that. It's fine because I'm going to be buying an Xbox Series X now. So cool. Yep. Let me know how I've it got is. Got nothing else to spend all my money on, so I might as well treat myself right well i mean it could have been worse i mean as you know i got fired so yeah we kind of had like the opposite problem pretty much um yeah no so that's actually technically i'm suspended right now but it seems pretty likely but let's not worry about that let's watch some star trek because really i don't give a fuck about that i want to watch star trek so not not your stuff i care about you my stuff i don't care Uh i want to Thanks, buddy. All right, so we are watching uh, season one, episode fifteen of Voyager. Jatrell is how you say his name. And uh, yeah, I've got it all pulled up. Are you ready to go? Wait a second. Sixteen. Fifteen. Fifteen. Right. 15. Okay. Oh, yep. just, never mind. Okay. Yeah, 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 I'm ready. All right, and we're gonna hit play in three, two, one, play. Giggity. Um. And we're going to start playing some pool. Oh, is it working? Oh, whoops. All right. Do you need me to stop? No, I think we're good. Uh, Time-wise, 22 seconds, 23, 24. I'm at like 28, so I'm a few seconds ahead of you. Okay, that should be fine. Yeah, I just had to turn the subtitles on real quick because they, since I have to watch it on my computer now, the right. I didn't have the subtitles on. Nothing was ready. So, like, I thought it was ready, but it wasn't. <laughs> Mr. Well, Vulcan. I'm, is that Sylvester Stallone? No, that's, um, if you ever watched uh, Friends, that's a place you might know him from. He's uh, the upstairs neighbor that dies at one point. He's also in Breaking Bad. He owns the junkyard dealership. He's in a lot of different things, but I don't know his name. Oh. He's just one I'll of those guys that shows up everywhere. Yeah. At you first, should. I was just like, what the shit? Yeah, no. There is a, later on, like a few seasons ahead, there's a um, cameo by The Rock in the, in Voyager. It's, huh? It's, yeah, the Rock is in Voyager. He played like they, they end up on an alien planet that's got like a gladiatorial, you know, thing, and he's the other gladiator. Oh, that's pretty badass. Yeah, I think it's like season five or something. It'll be a while before we get there. Interesting. 
So this is a very, um, very intense episode as far as emotional stuff goes. Oh, that's that's awkward. Whenever the ship shows up to conquer your homeworld fifteen years ago. Yeah. Open a channel. We're gonna kill him. So, you might not recognize him, but you've seen that guy a few times before. If I remember correctly. Because, like, they mentioned this in the notes, but I couldn't, I forgot to look up the episode, but I'm pretty sure I know which episode it is. In mm-hmm. season one of Deep Space Nine, he plays the Cardassian that shows up saying that he's like the leader or was the leader of a labor camp that wants oh. to get killed. Yeah. Which is interesting because that's obviously a parallel to the, um, uh. the concentration camps. And this is going to be a parallel to. Um, Stuff that happened in Japan. <laughs> I won't spoil too much of it. Uh oh. I think I hear him do the thing, but I don't think I. Can you hear me, buddy? Yep, I just had to take care of something real quick. That's fine. I just thought you were like I thought the sound went out and you were doing the theme song like off in the distance. I was like, uh oh. No, no, I'm good, I'm good, good. All right. Got to take care of stuff. That's fine. Uh yeah. <laughs> what what was I doing? Oh yeah, this is Star Trek. If I, yeah, you seem so like, disinfused every time, but it's hilarious to me. I'm a little preoccupied, uh, unfortunately, out of nowhere. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's my lunch. Are we going to be good with doing the recording? You want to like stop here and like put it off for a little bit? Um, can we? Yeah, let's let's pause for a few minutes, okay. and I will be back in a few minutes. All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Yep. All right. Let's see. Where were we? I'm at four fifty exactly. At 4.52. All right, one second. All right, 4.52. And uh, we can play in three, two, one, play. And as it is towards the end of the thing, this came out May 15th, 1995, if I'm remembering the date correctly, although it's been a while since I looked it up. Ugh. But Neelix, you have to understand, I don't give a fuck. It wasn't my people. <laughs> yeah, now they um one of like the right like one of the main writers on the show said that this has nothing to do with Hiroshima. But then I read other stuff about the guy that like wrote the actual screenplay doing research about Hiroshima to get this stuff right, so I don't know what the mm-hmm. fuck he was trying to talk about. <laughs> so basically, Trell was the uh, head of a group of scientists that created. Um, they don't really explain what it does, but it's just a mass destruction weapon. I mean, they kind of explain what it does, but I still don't understand it, even though I've seen this like three or four times.
all dead. Yeah. Yep. By the way, this, up to this point, this has just been the comedic relief character. We find out there's mass genocide in his past. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why he enjoys the yucks. I wonder why. Ever since I voted for that other person on that uh, reality TV show, the toxins have been very upset with me. Oh, and the mass murder thing, too. That also was a bad thing. That that had something to do with it, but... Oh, you mean survivors after decades of a huge mass destruction have uh, symptoms showing up because of radiation poisoning? You're right. This has nothing to do with the atomic bomb, random Voyager writer. Yeah, good question. So, basically, he's just wanting to try and make up for what he did, kind of. What it sounds like. It's a very complicated story here. Well, let's see. I met you when you were two. You're now three. It didn't come up. (laughs) I haven't looked it up, but I think there must be a pretty big age gap between the actor that plays Neil X and the actress that plays Cass. There has to be. One second, and maybe I can grab my computer from sitting and figure this out. Plus, I want to pull up the IMDb stuff because there's some really interesting stuff about this. So, all righty. It's so nice to have headphones with a cord that was pretty long that I can just throw my phone over there and keep recording with you while I grab my computer. Come on. That's if my computer will turn on. Hey, come in, gang. Come in. Well, I also had it unplugged for a long time. So, there it goes. Not chameleon eels. The worst kind of eels. Chameleons. I hate those eels. Right? All righty, let's see here. Star Trek. <laughs> At this point, I have no reason to doubt them. Granted, again, I don't care because none of this happened to anybody I know. But still. Or. Oh, dear. Yeah. Um, About 20 year difference. Uh, Neelix was born in 1955. Uh, Kess was born in 1974. Oh, that's all? Yeah, it's only 19 years. Actually, if you do a little research into Hollywood stuff, that's actually not that bad. Yeah. No, that's fair. 
I forget. I think it was uh, Jurassic Park. Uh, the two like lead actors in the first movie. You know, the two doctors. Yeah. They didn't yeah, realize no, at the time, but they had like a thirty-year difference between them or something like that. Yeah. But they only figured it out after they came back for the recent reboot, which is weird. That's. So one of the quotes that um, I that they mentioned because they did a lot of research about Oppenheimer, the guy that you know basically invented the atomic bomb. Um, one of the quotes they got from him was that Oppenheimer said that or when asked if he felt guilty about all the people that he killed with the atomic bomb, he said, "I feel guilty, but I don't feel regret." So that's an interesting thought process, don't you think? <laughs> it was unfortunate. I mean, we didn't know that many people would disintegrate. Right. I mean, I feel like we all need convenient distinctions. Hey, this isn't about me. <laughs> about how many people I slaughtered and drank their blood. Shut up. Uh, I hope not, because he doesn't. Um, 50-50. Yeah, I don't know if Neelix gives a flying fungus. (laughs) (laughs) also just for any other trek heads that listen to this that really love to know the ins and outs the guy played duchelle is also in an episode of next generation which is very important where he plays a romulan defector and um, it's a very powerful episode where, like, he literally joins the Enterprise thinking he's going to stop a war, but it was all just a lie the Romulans told him to test his loyalty. It's a pretty good episode, actually. Hmm. Yeah, this guy, whenever he shows up in Star Trek, pretty much, it's a really good episode. So what you're saying is you tortured small animals as a child, Neelix. That's what it sounds like. Yes, what a horrible story. I'm sorry, Mr. Neelix. Oh, Neil looks going to die. Woo! I mean, oh. It's not going to be painful or anything. His body's just going to literally rip itself atom by atom apart. No, that's not bad.
Yeah, so this is the weird thing about the, the writers that I don't get. So Jerry Taylor, the executive producer of the show, says it's pretty clear that this is a Hiroshima metaphor. However, executive producer Michael Piller rejected the idea that the Cascade bomb was a metaphor for the atomic bomb and stated, you can't say that every show is making a comment. It's not. I, I don't even understand how you could have those two opinions from two people that worked on this episode. That's, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I found out you lived only eight or nine years and then I fell in love. <laughs> Maybe don't mention that to other people. They might be weirded out. Yes, cherish it. Yeah, that just means you get to die first, Neelix, and then she gets to go date Tom Paris. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely been her plan all along, anyways. I mean, you saw those episodes clearly hit on her. Yep. So this is an important like plot point just to sort of give you an idea of like where they've been and like how spread out Neelix people have become since they lost the war um, is that they're about to go back to Neelix's planet with pretty minor detour, but they've already been traveling for months from when they originally met him. So mm -hmm. that gives you an idea of like how far he must have been from his home planet. Yeah. What kind of antibody, like your, I guess, okay, I guess your body, if you can do an antibody, would destroy the radiation that's in his blood. Maybe. I don't know. Or they just picked a medical sounding word for what they needed to do. Okay, I got to look that up just in case I'm wrong about what episode that is. So I'm just looking through the Star Trek notes while I'm doing this, and it uh, just brought up Duet. Yep, I was right. Duet's the one with the guy that, you know, the Cardassian that said he was part of the labor camp. Yeah. Oh, I see what's going on. Figured it out. Yep. Good, good for you to get it so quick. Usually it doesn't take that long. I don't think um, you got the whole picture yet, but yeah, I think you know a big part of it. I think I know a pretty good part of it at this point. So this is also an interesting moment for the doctor. This is the first time we're ever going to watch him shut himself off. Oh snap. Yeah. I mean, it was a big deal that he would have that freedom. And so they, we do see that he has that freedom now that he can turn himself on and off if he needs to. Another thing I think is interesting, which I'm watching for, um, if you watch, listen how Trichel talks, they wanted him to sound like a mid 20th century scientist. So he says a lot of things like um, talks about like the country and the world instead of like how Star Trek usually thinks of, you know, bigger things than just one world.
Also, that is exactly what happened. If in case anybody's not history guys like us, um, there were plenty of people that wanted to just detonate the atomic bomb on an uninhabited island where the Japanese could see it, and the military people did not think that would work. Aw, oh, snap. I did it all for the science. What? The science. What? The science. Come on, so you can take that science and stick it up your gear. <laughs> Again, to quote Jurassic Park, you, you were so enamored with whether you could do something, you never stopped thinking you should. You should. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. I don't know if this, like, I don't know enough about the guys that do the atomic bomb if any of them had this happen to them. But it definitely makes sense. <laughs> Sorry, I can just hear the way Neelix delivers that line, and it's very, very sarcastic. Sorry, this is one of those episodes hard to talk over because there's a lot of really good speeches. Ugh. Yep, the color of shale. Oh, this guy and his sense of humor. Oh, what a so, funny character. Yeah, from now on, every time you he makes a joke, just remember all of that's behind him. Yeah. Also, just the acting in this moment from the guy that's playing Juchel is fucking amazing. Up here comes the twist. Oh. 
Whoa! What? So, one thing I wanted to point out, because I, I didn't know the whole thing. Uh, let's see here. So right there, when Chichelle says, brighter than a thousand suns, it was actually a direct um, comparison to Oppenheimer. Um, he said, quoting, um, I think it's a Hindu, yeah, Hindu scripture, if the radiance of a thousand suns were to burst at once into the sky, that would be like the splendor of the mighty one. I am become death, the shatterer of worlds. That's what he said about the atomic bomb. So, yeah, nice light episode, everybody. This is this is good. This is you know. Oh Jesus! Yeah, the guy that had to do research for that found it very depressing to do research on um, radiation burns. Oh my God! He Luke skyrocketed himself in the cave. Like, they don't really mention it, but do you think, like, he went home to Talaxia for a while since they're there anyway? Like, you know, just, I don't know. After all this is over, hey, can we, like, take 10 minutes and go there? I don't know either. That's never mentioned. I honestly don't know what the Talaxians are up to because a lot of them we meet, it seems like they're um, a lot of refugees now, so I don't even know if yeah. they're on that planet anymore. Wow, he's really bumming me the fuck out. She just yells to him, Why are you running away, pussy? <laughs> Maybe if they wanted to break some of the goddamn tension, so much tension. <laughs> Cloud. Oh, snap. So this is more of a programming note, just because I realize how close we're getting to this. Um, in the next couple of weeks, because, yeah, next week's the last episode of uh, Deep Space Nine Season 3, and then the week after that will be the last episode of Voyager. But after that... Um, we're going to do the movie, and then the week after that, the episode of Deep Space Nine we're going to start with is actually like almost two hours because it's a two-parter that's put together as one. So we're going to watch it all in one. So just everybody be aware, it's going to be longer episodes after the next couple weeks. So <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that one because uh, the episode that begins season four of Deep Space Nine has to do with Klingons in a Let's major way. Go. Woo! Woo! Fucking Of course, Neil is hiding in his kitchen. No, 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 I wasn't. 
I was hiding, so, so very much hiding. Oh, snap. He's never been to the gorge. So what you're saying is you were a pussy. Yep, basically. <laughs> oh, Neelix was right. Never go to war. War's stupid. I mean, unless, of course, they wipe out like 300,000 people on a moon or something. I was, as the kids like to say, a baby back bitch. That's mostly what they say on, tel on Telexia, yeah. Telex. Yeah. You're a dishonest scumbag. Yeah, tell me. She's too understanding. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I, her character doesn't grow that much. Like, she That's does in certain ways, but really, as far as like her interpersonal stuff, it never really gets beyond much past this. What she actually becomes better at is her weird psychic powers. Um, uh, I mean... You mean Captain Janeway? She really has been kind of a bitch lately. <laughs> So the one thing I don't get about that, about that whole phrasing is like, oh, maybe you blame yourself. It's like, theoretically, how could he be blaming himself? Like, how could he think it's his fault for, for that weapon? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I don't like, it doesn't, doesn't make, really sense. make sense. It doesn't make sense from the outside, but I've known just enough people that find ways to blame themselves for everything that they wasn't their fault that I can believe it. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's yeah, weird. It, it's just something weird people do. They take it on themselves, even though there's nothing they could have done, no matter what choices they had made. But it does happen a lot of the time. Wait just a minute. Oh. That's tantamount to slapping the doctor. Ooh, look goo. No. Have you figured out what his experiment is yet? No. It's actually pretty cool. I won't spoil it. We're going to find out in a little while anyway. Ah, scared me. I was just masturbating. Why, why is everybody that walks in on science with a thing in a jar always think it's some kind of weird experiment? Bridge to sick bay. Heh <laughs> 
What the hell's going on there, Doctor? No, guys, seriously. Interesting. Yeah, I know, right? Didn't see that coming. So, okay, if anybody's not watching along, basically, Jutrell thinks that with the transporters, he can um, reconstitute the people that were vaporized by the bomb if he can just lock onto their individual molecules in the cloud. Hmm. A lot of more science mumbo jumbo to say exactly what I just said. Yeah. <laughs> I love, this is one of my favorite parts too, is that like, he just kind of goes past Neelix's discuss. like, yeah, remember Neelix saw it, he saw it's possible. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, basically they're going to target a specific victim's DNA. But the the ultimate problem, as you may have figured out, is that they have to target basically the entire moon at yeah. once in order to get it all. Yeah, exactly. it is implausible. Unless Scotty was there, or O'Brien. O'Brien could do it. O'Brien could do it, yeah. But I mean, come on. Fucking Talaxian sympathizer. This guy feeling bad about vaporizing a few hundred thousand people. Yeah, what's wrong with you? No, he does not really have the disease. (laughs) Maybe you could have mentioned that to him once he got to the cloud. Like, were you going to do that on your deathbed? Be like, oh, by the way, he's fine. Deuces. That's a fair reason. I think, yeah, that's pretty fair. Please, Captain, please. Pretty, pretty, please. I'll make you your favorite dish. (laughs) Please save people from a genocide. 
By the way, I love. I, I mean, love... it's Star Trek. You know, it's not going to work. Yeah, that's true. That's original... way too much of a like change. Original Star Trek, maybe because they would never come back to the planet, and they like to do happy endings. But yeah, no. By the time it gets to the '90s, Star Trek usually doesn't end that happy. Yeah. Yeah, it's also... just not possible. I also love the fact that um, like Tuvok is completely against it, but then the moment the captain says, "Okay, let's try," he's like, "Okay, on board. Here we go." Why do you call hundred um, percent maximum if you can go one hundred twenty percent? No, that's just not happening. I feel like a few centuries from then they might be able to do it because transporters get way more sophisticated. In um, in Star Trek Discovery and like the far future, they have transporters that they wear like comm badges that they can just transport from wherever they are. Which, by the way, now that I think about it, that makes less sense than the actual transporter pad as far as actual science. <laughs> and now he's dead. Perfect. Not yet. No, we get one more um, scene, and it was a scene that was scene. very um, debated in the writers' room whether or not to do this uh, ending the way they're going to do it. Oh. Neelix is going to come in and say something like, I forgive you, or something like that, I'm guessing. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. He does forgive him right at the end, and that was the big debate: Do you have Neelix forgive him for those like couple of seconds, or don't you? And it took him a while to decide what they want to do. Honestly, I feel like the whole premise of him trying desperately to bring these people back kind of makes it. If he doesn't um, deserve forgiveness for himself, Neelix deserves to forgive him for himself. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it about your famous dip? It was very delicious. <laughs> I do appreciate the the like adding the fact that he doesn't even live long enough to say anything about it. Yeah. Although he did technically die right there because if you watched, I, you could see him breathing still. So there you go. There's Tatchell. I had to strangle him for a few minutes, but he's gone now. <laughs> that was the next scene where he comes back and just holds a pillow over his face to make sure. So yeah, <laughs> what did you uh, think of that episode? Heavy? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely oh, wanted man. to have your ups. Yeah, uh, certainly something. I honestly, for my money, whenever anybody says they hate Neelix, I feel like you did you see that episode? Because like I feel like that tempers all of his annoying, like overly friendly shit later. It's like, yeah, he's overly friendly because he's seen some real shit. Like, yeah. Like it's just no, that's it how makes he comes. Sense. But um yeah, no, it's one of my favorite episodes. I think it's one of those episodes that is the reason I love Star Trek so much is when it gets, when you do something that real and that heavy, it's a lot like Duet, as all the notes that I looked through said. It's like, that's why Star Trek is cool, because it can hold a mirror to really, really serious things that we don't talk about as much as maybe we should. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, it was really solid. Good so episode. Um, okay. Season three, episode 26, last episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine for season three. Uh, it's called The Adversary. Uh, during, well, this is going to be a bit of a spoiler, but it happens in the first five seconds of the show. <laughs> during a party celebrating Cisco's promotion to captain, way to go, Cisco, um, Ambassador, whatever his name is, takes him aside and quietly reveals that there's been a coup. Um, 
So yeah, that's enough. Like there, it's, it's not that doesn't tell you anything about what's going to happen, but that's enough to get us into next week. It's a it's a good season ender, um, and like I said, finally Captain Cisco. Okay. I, I don't know if this is the reasoning behind it, other than maybe to give his character progression, but some people online have pointed out that the reason he couldn't be captain before this point is because of the defiance. You're not a you're a commander if you run a space station, you're a captain if you have a ship. So right. this makes him a captain or gives him the ability to be promoted to captain. Um all right, but yeah, so this week will be chaos and ringside. Uh, we are going to be talking a lot about what's going on in AEW, especially with the whole world title shit, which I still haven't watched that rampage, but yeah, I know what happened. Um, trying to think what else. Yeah, basically. Oh, yeah, it. rampage. I, got a, I forgot to watch rampage. Yeah, me too. But um, did you hear the big news? I, so I can put that out as like a. I teaser. legitimately haven't done. No, I legitimately haven't done anything. I. Well, before I give you the teaser, then, are you going to watch Rampage before we record, or do you want me to tell you now because we're going to have to talk about it without you seeing Just it? Just tell anymore? me. Let's talk because I don't have time to watch it. So, yeah. DM Punk has had to um, get and step away from AEW. He broke his foot and has to have surgery. Um, oh, yep, they're going to crown a new interim AEW world champion uh, with a battle royal. No shit. Yeah. And I saw some stuff about. Um, where he, I saw a video that said, did he break his foot doing this, the uh, crowd dive? And my first thought was like, ah, it's exactly what he said. Exactly like what you said when he started doing it. He's going to hurt himself, and then he did. So yep. I, don't know, I don't know if that's when it happened, but it'd be really funny if you were right about that. I mean, listen, I, listen, I don't, it, it, it's a curse to be a genius, okay? Right, right. It's a curse. But um, yeah, other than that, there's a lot of other stuff to talk about. Uh, forbidden door stuff shaping up. So yeah, join us for all of that stuff. And of course, MJF's um, awesome promo, which we can talk about whether we think it's a work or not. But for now, I hope just thanks to Eric Bowman for the theme song. And we're just going to shove off here quickly so we can go record Chaos and Ringside. Woo. Woo. See you later, everybody. Yeah.